What's up, everybody? It's Dan, Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the office. Uh, it's gonna be uh, not too much longer before I am recording from my house uh, and not from the office as much. I'll probably record from both places, but uh, the house will probably be where a lot of stuff happens just because it's convenient and easier to do at the uh, you know end end of the uh, end of the day. You know, normally I think about these podcasts throughout the day and then record them at night uh, after I've had a minute to think about what I want to talk about. So uh, thank you everybody for following along and for listening. Uh, you, all the comments, everything I get, um, the feedback is great. Um, even the assholes that tell me that I suck and I'm wrong on everything and need to shut up. Like I, you know, thank you. Thanks for giving me stuff that I need to work on. Uh, so yeah, I am just grateful that people are listening and you know, I've got 20 years of 20 years of this now. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's you know, about time that I dispelled some knowledge of my own. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about doing things the right way. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to tell a story and then in that intermixed in that story will be little life lessons. So, um, since it's is you're probably hearing this on a Saturday, uh, yeah, gonna want to crack a cold one and listen to the old man Hayes tell you about the good old days. So I may have talked in the past about a competition rock crawler that I built with, uh, my friend Carl Weiss and uh, it was called the rock scout it is currently owned by a guy named tony sweet uh he has taken it um and taken it to another level uh you know cleaned up some stuff when we built the truck we were confined to the rules of you know the the sanctioning body so there were certain things that had to have you know you could you couldn't cut the fenders or you could cut the fenders but only you know like three inches or something and um, no, no body lifts bigger than two inches. And, you know, if it was a leaf spring truck, it still had to have leaf spring suspension, um, you know, things like that. So we had built this little, um, 65 scout 80. It was a champagne of all things. So, uh, you know, <laughs> custom package truck, but it had no title and we got it for free. So it was a perfect builder. Um, and we wanted to, we wanted to build something that was true to the brand, but also, you know, quote unquote, cutting edge for a couple of, you know, 20 year old guys. I think this was 2004. Uh, I think we started the build in like 2003. So, you know, I'm 22, 20. 24, Carl's like 20, 21, I think. I can't even remember. And so, you know, the first thing we do is, um, you know, figure out the drivetrain. And we thought we were going to be 
super slick and so we got a scout two 196 because we had to stay you know class rules were if it came with a you know six cylinder you had to stay six if it was a eight eight whatever so we had to stay four cylinder so we picked up this 196 and then we coupled it up to a 727 and um and you know being that we were young guys and I had a decent job. Carl did not have a decent job. Uh, well, I take it back. Carl was working at Binder Books, so he had access to, um, you know, manuals and parts and pieces and stuff that, and, and avenues where he could, you know, he had formed relationships with people um, to help with the procur procurement of parts. And, um, you know, we were trying to save every penny we could. And so we had the 727 and uh, a friend of ours from the Scout Club, the uh, IHSTO, which is the Scouts and Trucks of Oregon group that um, me and some guys invented. Uh, one of the guys was like, hey, I can rebuild 727s. Um, I've done a few and I, uh, I'll do yours for the cost of parts. And, you know, just remember me if I need help with anything. So the guy built it and, uh, you know, we put top quality stuff in it, you know, um, billet sprag and the Kevlar, Kevlar frictions and bands and the good stuff. We put in a super nice torque converter, you know, we spent all of our transmission budget on parts and then pretty much, you know, the labor we didn't pay for. Um, and it, you know, it didn't really work. It, it didn't shift right. It didn't hold gears. It was supposed to have a manual valve body, but it would shift through the gear, like shift on its own and just things like that. So, um, you know, we ended up taking it out. He rebuilt it again. Uh, still not right. Uh, finally went through a professional transmission shop and magically it worked like it should um so you know in our attempt to save uh, i don't know what eight hundred dollars we burned i don't know how many weekends and days and and good parts uh trying to save a couple dollars you know i guess 800 bucks but yeah you know so we learned that lesson there you know i'm you know the guy great guy he's done other work and it's been fine you know but that particular application it just didn't work out and so you know we we kind of learned our lesson on that one and then you know what did it have so we had scout two axles in it and the rear end we had a spool just to save money and the front end we had an arb um and then what else? So the 196 had um, junkyard fuel injection on it. Uh, at the time, Bill Hamilton had only done two or three four-cylinder scouts. And we pieced together this junkyard kit, and Bill sent us a chip, and we, you know, got it going, and it ran okay. Um, but, you know, in Bill's defense, we never sent him a single data log. <laughs> you know, we, we put the thing together, and being you know, chomping at the bit, young guys, it ran good enough, good enough, you know, it's, 
like the saying goes, it's not just good, it's good enough. And so we, uh, we ran it and I'll get back to that later. But, um, and then we had a Dana 20 at first. So, you know, the low range wasn't that great. We had five, I want to say five thirty eights in the axles, um, and pretty much stock shafts. Uh, it was, we just didn't have money for that stuff at that time. Uh, and then it had, um, 35 inch tires. That was the class limit. Uh, we were running uh, YJ Jeep leaf springs. They were super flexible. The thing just twisted up like, like nobody's business, but it also would eat leaf springs. We were, we were ruining leaf springs, uh, every event. Um, and even every time we'd go out and practice because Carl and I would go out and practice, I would drive, he was a spotter and we'd go up the crushers, um, Brown's camp or, you know, or we'd go Eastern Oregon and, or whatever. And it would just, every trip we were ruining leaf springs, mostly rear leaf springs, but you know, we just, we tried to build a traction bar and then we were breaking traction bars and it was, it was just, that was something we never did nail down. I think Carl finally built a bar after we quit wheeling. I think he came up with a traction bar solution that worked for the most part. Um, but yeah, uh, we ended up swinging a sponsorship, half a sponsorship deal from, um, Damien at DNC fab, um, back when DNC was owned by a guy named Damien before. Um, and, he sent us a Dana 300 um, with a four to one kit in it, which made it um, infinitely more fun to wheel. Uh, it was definitely easier to drive. It got around better. Um, you know, we, we were able to get ourselves into trouble that way. Um, but my good friend, Lucas, he built a roll cage for it. Cause at that time I, I was not, um, skilled enough at Bend and Tube to trust myself building a competition cage for it. Um, had a little fuel cell in the bed. Um, you know, just we had just like white body rancho shocks because uh, again we were just trying to save money. Um, and it, you know, in, in slow comp crawling, I'm not sure how important high end shocks are uh, in that class. You know, if you're doing if you're building a buggy or something, yeah, you're going to want some high end stuff. But for what we were doing, it was not, uh, <laughs> you didn't need $300 foxes on each corner. Um, so, um, what else? Oh, it ended up getting Ram assist there towards the end. Cause it was really hard to steer in the rocks, believe it or not. But so, um, what other, we just, you know, we, we cut some corners on stuff to save money and then it ended up costing us two or three times as much in the end. Um, you know, we went to a competition in Donner, California, and we thought we were ready. Uh, we'd been practicing. The scout was fine. Uh, the elevation was almost 10,000 feet. It was way the hell up there. We unloaded the scout, got it warmed up, pulled into the gate, hit the first obstacle and the motor made about 12 horsepower. I could floor it. I could neutral drop it. I could do everything and it would not make enough power to make it over the first obstacle. 
and we, you know, you're, it's on a time, your, your, uh, time limit. Um, so, you know, we open the hood, we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. You know, is the TPS bad? Is it just not, you know, can it not read the air? We don't know. And so in the end, um, you know, we didn't compete. We just were spectators the whole weekend. So we spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on entry fees and getting down there and camping and their hotel maybe. I don't remember. I think we camped. We camped there. And, uh, you know, food, everything. And the scout just wasn't ready. Or it might have been ready. We thought it was ready, but we didn't push it hard enough, I guess, to see, you know, just how bad it would. There's the, the highest place you can get to in Oregon to practice wheeling is about six or 7,000 feet. So I don't know if we could have prepared for that or not, but it just showed, you know, showed me the, the value of being a little bit more prepared. Um, you know, we had, um, like I said, we were going through springs like crazy. We should have, after the first ruining the first leaf pack, we should have built a traction bar then. And maybe we could have made those leafs last, uh, you know, a couple of comps instead of spending a couple hundred dollars every competition on new springs. Um, yeah, you know, just building this truck for this particular purpose and then not being prepared. You know, we should have had Ram Assist when we started instead of, you know, a year and a half or two years in. We should have had our FI tuned. I should have been diligent about that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, just being a dumb kid and just thinking that it was, you know, good enough and who cares and showing up to these events and then, you know, just realizing that it's it's not, I don't want to say unprofessional, but it's just, it's not sportsman-like, you know. There's competitors around us that are waiting in line behind us to, for their turn to compete. We're fucking around out there trying to get over you know, a washing machine size rock that, that the, the next guy in a, in a pretty stock Jeep can goes right over or around. And, you know, at the time, at the time, I don't think much about it, but now that I look back, it's like, it's, it's almost embarrassing. Um, just seeing, you know, what I can only imagine what some of these other more quote unquote professional, um, competitors thought about me and Carl out there flopping around. Because we did roll it. We rolled it once uh, in Goldendale, Washington. We tested the cage out, um, you know, but still, it's just one of those things where, you know, trying to save money costs you twice as much money in the end. Um, not being as prepared or ready um, costs you, you know, an experience. You know, because you just, like I said, it's, Instead of going out and having fun, you know, you're worried about all this other stuff going on. And, you know, we took that scout all over the country. You know, when we went to Utah, I think our best event was probably the Utah um, out there. And then, um, I can't remember that. There's a, a kind of a half-assed private area in Moab um, that we went to. And uh, we did pretty well there. I, sh I mean, I think we got like, fourth place out of six or something i want to say but um you know that's where we we kind of felt like we finally had put together a uh i don't know a, a rig that could perform how we we wanted it to perform and then shortly after that it just 
Carl wanted to do other things and I was, you know, going through stuff of my own job change. Um, and, and I didn't have the same income income stream that I had before. And it was a lot harder to maintain the truck and, and do stuff. And I think we kind of passed that, um, the excitement had worn off and we had decided that it wasn't for us, but, uh, you know, we gave it a good couple of years and we definitely learned a lot and, you know, um, I know Tony, like I said, Tony's using the hell out of it now because he's, he's always wheeling it and you know, he narrowed the front end and changed, changed a few things inside and got Bill Hamilton to tune the FI. So it actually runs good now. Um, or runs as good as it can anyways, but you know, it's got a ton of good parts. And I think looking back, if I was to build another rig from scratch like that, I, I would definitely, um, you know, be more, be more patient and save up for the, the better parts or the, you know, build it the better way, just because, you know, you're never going to compete on the level of like the super rich guys. Like that's just, you know, most of the off-road racing, you're just wallet racing. And I don't know about you guys, but, uh, I don't have that kind of, um, I don't have that funding. So you have to just build the best that you can build. Um, and I guess go into it, you know, knowing that you're going to be embarrassed or you're going to not do the best that you can do. Um, you know, cause there is some of it that just comes down to equipment. You know, it's, it's like, 60% driver and 40% equipment. But, you know, if you've got open diffs, you're just not getting through stuff. You know, you've got to have lockers or you've got to have gearing. You know, we, I learned that as I went. You know, I always thought that the automatic with the Dana 20 and the 538s would probably be good enough to get through most obstacles. And then after the first three or four comps, it was like, no way. We're burning up this transmission. Everything is hot. I just don't have the horsepower. That was the other thing is that automatic just ate what horsepower that 196 made. And so it was just, you know, it really showed the weakness of, of that. Um, but once you got the four to one case in there, man, it was night and day then. Um, and we had, that was with the, we had a Jeep output on that 727. It was a round pattern setup so it was a you know just a regular old jeep 300 um but yeah you know it was it was definitely a, a learning experience it was very expensive uh, in the long run you know with all the thousands of dollars we spent rep repairing stuff and whatever we could have put into the actual building of it and been been had a better truck uh, in the end we might have started a year later um, a competition circuit, but at least we would have had a truck that we were more confident in. Um, yeah, I don't know, just stuff like that. Uh, the layout of the cab, we learned a lot. We ended up changing the shifters around and the steering wheel ended up being a little bit too far away from me on when, you know, certain times. And so you end up adjusting that and it just, you know, it was learning experience and, and I'm glad I did it, but, uh, you know, I'm hope, hopefully over as I get older, I'm learning, you know, to not do that stuff. I, I guess I, I guess I don't really learn because if you look at how I do that, like my black truck, you know, that thing, I had a fuel cell in the bed and, you know, it was, 
maybe not a hundred percent, but it was, I felt like it was pretty good. And that fuel cell lasted for three years in the bed. So I guess it wasn't, you know, wasn't all bad, but uh, I just, as I get older, I'm just learning more about patience and, and, you know, being able to, to be okay with not doing something if you're not prepared. Um, I mean, I've buried, I buried many a scout uh, in mud holes and hill climbs and snow drifts because it was on, you know, 31s and open diffs and my buddies were on 40s and lockers, you know, and, and it just, it ends up ruining the experience for everyone else uh, because they want to go do whatever and you're back there constantly getting pulled out of shit. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning that uh, eventually it's, it's starting to, starting to sink in in my age because I'm what I'm 41 now so um you know I feel like I'm I'm maturing to a point uh but yeah I guess that's my my lesson is you know just do the best that you can afford and if that still isn't up to par with what you're trying to do you know then maybe have the the judgment to not commit and uh and wait until you do have the part or the ability because uh yeah like i said it's just a waste of money and and embarrassment sometimes but i do wish i had that scout back every once in a while i know tony's done a lot of work to it and probably won't ever sell it but um it is fun you know i look at pictures of it and it's kind of nostalgic um all the long nights that Carl and I spent in his parents' garage because we built that thing with a 110 Lincoln welder I bought at Home Depot and a bunch of scrap steel and, you know, just crazy ideas and weird inspiration and, I don't know, no fabrication skills at all. I wasn't even near, I wasn't near anything. You know, I just had this fake it till you make it attitude, I guess. And, you know, some of my welds weren't the best, but I don't remember breaking any of them off. So, but that's, you know, like I just said that I knew that the roll cage was something that I didn't want to mess with. That was safety. And, and I, you know, so I had Lucas build it and I'm sure as shit, I rolled on it and it worked. So, you know, if I had built it, it might not have worked. Um, so, yeah, yeah, little things like that, but it definitely was an experience and I, I don't want to deter people from trying new things and, and experimenting with building something. Uh, you know, you want to build a crawler, or a wheeler, mud truck, whatever, like I'm all for it. Uh, do, do whatever the hell you want to do, but be realistic. Um, so, you know, you're not going to go out there with your 304 and keep up with some mega truck, you know, like it doesn't work like that. So if you're realistic and, and your expectations are pretty low, you can have a lot of fun. Um, some of the most fun I had was a Scout 80 with two power locks and 31s. And, you know, you just go bounce around in the mud and, and have fun. And, um, you know, as long as your expectations are low, you're all right. And you just know in your back of your mind that you're saving up for, the you know, whatever it is you want to build, something better, bigger. So, um, yeah, so that was my, that was my experience with competition rock crawling. Um, 
the events were fun. It was cool to go. I got to meet so many people that are famous now, or at least famous in the rock crawling or rock racing world. You know, Shannon Campbell. I remember being in Utah and just standing in line at McDonald's. And Shannon Campbell's in front of me ordering an egg McMuffin, you know, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm in the same line with this guy. Uh, he was super cool, super friendly. Um, talked to him for a few minutes. And I've run into him over the years at different Ultra 4 events and stuff. And he's still the same cool guy. Um, you know, just things like that. Um, watching the sport evolve was, was cool. Like, we were there pretty early on in the, span, in the sport. Um, it was still called Cal Rocks when we started, but now it's evolved into We Rock. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it's cool to see how that evolved also knowing that I was there. I've got some event t-shirts, you know, that are pretty homemade looking and now they're, a, you know, massive, massive entity in the off-road world. So, uh, it's, it's just neat, neat to have been there. Um, so on that side of the coin, it was cool that I at least tried and Carl and I made an effort, but yeah, it was, uh, it's fun. And, uh, hopefully you guys, you know, if you do want to do something like that, it's, it's, you know, you put a real effort into and don't just half-ass it and don't do like I did, do it right. So anyway, well, hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, you know, if you really get uh, interested, you can do some extracurricular homework and Google up Rock Scout. Um, there's a whole bunch of it on Binder Planet. Uh, I think there's even a little bit on Pirate 4x4. Um, so, yeah, you can see some old pictures and stuff. But anyway, uh, hopefully you guys learned something. Hopefully my droning on wasn't too annoying. Um, if you like what you hear, you can donate Patreon. Uh, you can like and subscribe. Go to YouTube like and subscribe to those videos uh, every little bit helps and I appreciate all the feedback so if you've got an idea for a cast let me know I'll try to put it in the rotation so until next time I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard Yard. <laughs>